Radiant, for example, attracted a huge amount of TVL, over 500 million at some peak point. Uh, but but that was mercenary farming. We learned the lesson in B1, and, and it's something we, uh, we colloquially termed like DeFi 3.0. So we don't want to be DeFi 1.0 as as in uh, 99% of protocols are being uh, formed to zero because otherwise it's it's not a sustainable business model. If you're just uh, highly incentivizing emissions, attracting TVL, and then the TVL moves to the next coolest uh, protocol in town. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of Fourth Revolution Capital. Podcast guests in 4RC may have positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Hey everyone, this is DeFi Dad from Fourth Revolution Capital. I'm here for another episode of the DeFi Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be interviewing Isaac, who is the head of PR and project management at Radiant Capital. Radiant, you've probably heard of. It is the first omni-chain money market launched on the Ethereum L2 Arbitrum. It also is now live on BSC, as in Binance Smart Chain. Radiant launched in the summer 2022 during one of the most unforgiving years in crypto. Despite these market headwinds, they quickly became a darling of the emerging DeFi space on Arbitrum. And since then, uh, if you count borrowed tokens lent as TVL, they boast an impressive $441 million in value deposited across their smart contracts on both Arbitrum and BSC. Uh, if you look at DeFi applications across just Arbitrum, I would say they rank in the top two or three applications in terms of most usage on any given day. Part of the reason we're having this interview is my own fascination with Radiant's very progressive thinking on tokenomics. They've brought forth new ideas for vesting reward tokens, uh, how to incentivize users to add value to the protocol to qualify for liquidity mining rewards, and how to better distribute those rewards without becoming the victim of mercenary farmers. Uh, which we're going to discuss all of this today and what lessons uh, they've learned from other DeFi teams in uh, ultimately the design of the Radiant token. So on that note, uh, Isaac, welcome to the DeFi podcast. How are you doing? Hey, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for joining me I, on such short notice too, because we're recording this on March 31st, 2023. You all only released your Radiant V2 uh, in the past week, I want to say. Was it a week or two weeks? Yeah, it's two weeks and one on BSC. I'm sure it's been a, a very exciting time. I have personally had the opportunity to, to try Radiant uh, V2. Uh, there's just a lot there that is very familiar if you've used other DeFi lending and borrowing applications, but there's all these improvements because you're benefiting from really fast and cheap transactions on Arbitrum and BSC. And so this is going to be a part of the conversation is just what has building on L2 enabled you to do uh, from a product design standpoint. Uh, but why don't we start with uh, your background and how you got started with uh, Radiant. So yeah, Isaac, anything you're willing to share about just your career and basically what led you to building with Radiant? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a mechanical engineer. 
I started working in Formula One some years ago. I uh, was uh, lucky enough to, won, to win the uh, world championships with Renault Formula One. And uh, then jumped to aerospace. That's uh, then, really cool. I did, yeah, I, yeah. You, you, well, you only with, mentioned with, to me earlier you worked <laughs> in Formula yeah. One. That, that's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> With a team of 800 people. So it's quite a bunch of, of smart guys. And I learned a lot. Uh, I was passionate about technology. Then I jumped to aerospace, another one of my passions. And then I started my my entrepreneurship career uh, in startup land. And uh, then uh, one of my passions was blockchain. I, I felt it was the most disruptive technology that I uh, probably was going to uh, live for my uh, rest for the rest of my life, along with AI. And uh, I found the Radiant team, the project. I uh, it it resonated a lot with my values, with what I wanted DeFi to be as in a, a transparent layer for everyone to use it in a seamless way without having to understand the technology under the hood, as we will be discussing later. And uh, it was really, really the passion of the team, the vision that they had that helped me jump into the project. And I'm, I'm very happy of uh, what we've built so far and what's uh, coming down the line. Isaac, when did you get started with DeFi? Uh, I'm wondering, like, what was the first application you used? How, how long have you been using DeFi? Well, I'm quite new to uh, DeFi with respect to the rest of the team who have been in DeFi for uh, many more years. But I started like uh, two years ago. I remember with one of my uh, friends friends back in Spain trying to uh, calculate whether it was uh, profitable to set up a mining node for uh, blockchain. And that was the beginning when I started learning. And then, of course, we, we started using DeFi. And, and well, I started using the most common protocols, so lending protocols, Aave, Compound, and, and so on. And uh, and then I jumped onto uh, Radiant, and now it's like a boost in the the number of protocols I've been using. Of course, since I started in Radiant, I tried to uh, use every protocol that I can get my hands on to uh, to really know the value of the protocols that are being built, know how we can uh, collaborate with those protocols, and know how we can add unique features to Radiant to be even more useful for our users. Something you said there that stood out to me is that you you actually look to calculate whether something would be profitable before you entered it. So good job. You're yeah. many steps ahead of <laughs> the the average uh, investor in DeFi if you're doing that. Uh, I, I think before we talk more generally about how Radiant is solving a problem for DeFi users, uh, do you want to share a bit more about just the philosophy behind building at Radiant? I, I noticed that in the Radiant V2 launch video, there was a reference to onboarding like 100 million users. Absolutely. So I recognize there's like a lot of ambition there to really make DeFi what it's supposed to be, which is, you know, accessible to all, you know, to make an impact on those who who urgently need it. Uh, but yeah, what, what's the philosophy of the team behind Radiant? Well, we absolutely want to be the uh, leading money market, uh, cross-chain money market in, in uh, DeFi, in the whole of DeFi. We also have the ambition of being the most profitable protocol, not for ourselves, because all our protocol fees are shared with the community, 85% in V2, only 15% is retained for OPEX. But we really want to be a seamless experience, a transparent layer, so that uh, people don't have to worry if it's Arbitrum that they are using, if it's BSC, if it's a uh, layer one, uh, if I have to bridge my assets, uh, what does this really mean? Because many people are uh, like challenged by this technology that, that we are using in, in DeFi in general, and they don't really jump into it because they don't understand the technology. I really want this to be, uh, and all the team wants this to be like Amazon, where you just buy whatever you want and you, you don't need to understand the technology that's that's behind it. Uh, we want people, and that's why we focus on onboarding the next 100 million users into DeFi, 
because we want them to be able to do whatever they want. If it's buying an NFT, if it's uh, gaming, if it's uh, trading, if it's lending and borrowing for whatever trading purposes or strategy they have, we wanted to make as seamless as possible from a user perspective, but also from a technology perspective so that they can use the most cutting edge technology without having to be very tech savvy. Yeah, so one thing that you know everyone should notice right off the bat is this is built on an L2 uh, and also uh, on another EVM uh, compatible chain, BSC. And whether you're on BSC or Arbitrum, transactions are cheap. They're very fast. Uh, I, I think this has clearly allowed you all to be a little more user-friendly uh, for, for DeFi users. Uh, but yeah, well, I guess what else comes to mind in terms of what separates Radiant as an omni-chain uh, lending and borrowing market what what else separates it from its predecessors? You know, something like an Ave or Compound or or even something like a Maker. Absolutely, we are a, a fork of Ave. So hats off to to Ave and Geist. Also, uh, they are great protocols. Ave, great lending and borrowing protocol. But they are at the moment uh, they are omni-chain and not really cross-chain in the sense that you uh, can deposit on one chain, uh, but you have to borrow on the same chain and then bridge over to a different chain. For example, if you want to uh, deposit on Arbitrum and borrow on Polygon, you have to deposit, borrow on Arbitrum and then bridge to Polygon using whatever bridge you want. Um, in our case, we wanted the experience to be one step further. So we wanted to really be cross-chain in the sense that you can deposit on Arbitrum and borrow on Polygon to buy an NFT or use that cool protocol that you've heard of. And uh, moving further in V3, we really want to go one step further and be able to uh, deposit, so offer the option to our users to deposit on, say, Mainnet, uh, if that's a chain that we will be launching on. This is, of course, down to the DAO, but um, you will be able to deposit on one chain, say it's uh, Mainnet, uh, borrow on Arbitrum, and repay the loan on Polygon. So it's really, really full cross-chain vision. That's V3. V2 at the moment is uh, deposit on one chain, borrow on another one, which, which is also which is already a, a strong step further with respect to our competitors. But but this is from a user perspective. Uh, from a community perspective, it's it's cool that we are sharing all of our protocol fees. As I said before, 85%, only 15% is, is retained for OPEX for operational expenditure within the, uh, within the team and within the DAO. But 85% of what we get from the borrowers paying money, paying interest on the, on the loans, is shared with the community, shared with the users, Currently, the, the split that we have, this was a proposal that was voted some weeks ago, is 25% for lenders as part of the base APY and 60% uh, for lockers, so liquidity providers who are locking the liquidity into Radiant. So that's loyal users who are not here for the mercenary farming. They are here for the long run, as we will discuss later on shortly. And uh, basically, they are providing value with the liquidity to the uh, protocol and they believe in the future of the protocol. So that's why what stands out, uh, what stands us apart from other protocols, because we share all that we get, 85% of, of the protocol fees. Of course, the native token that we have, the Radiant token, is used for governance purposes. We have a fully uh, fledged um, uh, voting platform on Snapshot and uh, the uh, feedback and discussion community, uh, community-wise is held on Discourse. And uh, we have very interesting discussions, proposals that are being sent over by community members on our discourse and, of course, on our socials, Discord and so on. And uh, a cool aspect also that I want to uh, to highlight is that we, we pay uh, the yield in hard assets. 
So the share of protocol fees, you receive it not in our native token. You receive it in Bitcoin, ETH, stable coins, the assets that we are currently supporting and the future assets that we will be supporting. So the, the yield is real yield received in hard assets. And uh, on top of that, as we will explain later on on how the uh, version 2, how V2 is working and the protocol mechanics that we've launched very recently, um, those meeting the, the threshold, uh, the requirements to be eligible for radiant emissions will get an additional boost of radiant emissions. And of course, that's in, in the form of radiant tokens. And that really uh, boosts the yield that you're capable of getting. And then you can go and trade your radiant tokens or deposit them as liquidity. So that's basically what stands us apart. And one key aspect is that you get paid for borrowing. You get paid in radiant tokens for borrowing. So basically, the lenders get the base APY and the boost in radiant emissions if they are eligible. And the borrowers, of course, have to repay the loan with the interest that uh, is uh, currently in the market. And then you get a boost in radiant emissions. So you get paid in radiant tokens to borrow. That's a cool feature, which also stands us apart from uh, most of the other lending and borrowing protocols and money markets that you can find around. So that's in a nutshell what, what stands radiant apart and makes us unique. I don't think I could have asked you a harder question, that, that very open-ended question of what separates you from, from competitors. Uh, if you really want to understand all of the nuances of how this protocol is designed, using the platform is easy. If you go to Arbitrum or BSC, I deposit some collateral. Uh, I can borrow then against that to any of the chains that are supported. Um, but you can only deposit what from Arbitrum and BSC for right yes, now, right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Right. And then uh, obviously I could go there too just to lend. Like I don't have to necessarily borrow. I could go there and just look to make some yield lending. But the end result of all of this is deposit on one chain. And again, the borrowing can then be done on any of the supported chains. You don't have to end up with borrowed debt on the same chain as the collateral and then bridge it to some other chain. Uh, and, and so th this is this is brand new. I mean, I, there's no other protocol that enables this. I'm guessing this will become a standard in the near future, but for right now, like th this is a real first in DeFi. Whether you're a trader, farmer, analyst, or newbie, you can trade smart with KyberSwap, the OG decentralized exchange and aggregator on 13 chains. Swap at the best rates, farm with real yields, set limit orders, use their proprietary trading and AI tools with the best UX in DeFi, securely and permissionlessly. Get better rates, better opportunities, better alpha, and a better trading experience. Trade smart now at kyberswap.com. One other point you made was about the breakdown of fees, that if I go to Radiant and I lend something like ETH or, or stable coins, uh, when I'm lending that interest, can you break that down first? Like, where is that going? What percentage of the lending interest goes to me as a lender without any sort of locked up liquidity? I'm, I'm, I'm potentially just a mercenary farmer who's there to earn some interest and not have to add any other value to the protocol. Absolutely. So that's a cool question because it, it's basically understanding the nuts and bolts of, of V2. And just in a very simple way, you can, of course, uh, just deposit and do nothing else. You can borrow and you can provide liquidity. Those are the three main things that you can do within the, the uh, protocol. If you just deposit your assets, say ETH, as you said, or whatever uh, asset that we are supporting, currently it's uh, ETH, uh, Bitcoin, it's BNB and stablecoins. 
if you deposit, you will you will be getting a competitive base yield paid in the same asset that you deposited. Say you deposit ETH, you will be uh, get the the base whatever the uh, base APY is at this moment, and you can check that in app.radiant.capital in our markets tab. Whatever that is, it is a competitive yield, and you can just get it by by the uh, by the simple act of of just depositing. Then, if you want to go ahead and borrow. Uh, you will, of course, have borrowed in the same asset or in any of the other assets. You can borrow in the same chain or in a different chain. So BSC, you deposit an Arbitrum, uh, you uh, borrow or the other way around. That's not a problem. That's part of being omni-chain or cross-chain. And uh, you will have to repay, of course, once again, a competitive yield, as you can find elsewhere in other lending and borrowing platforms. You will have to pay in the same uh, asset that you borrowed. For example, if you deposit ETH and you borrow, uh, say, Tether, you will have to repay in Tether whatever the API is at the moment. The cool thing comes when, one, you start using, for example, advanced lending and borrowing features such as looping, which basically repeats the lending and borrowing cycle to increase your leverage. So basically, your deposit is leveraged. You have more deposit because you are uh, repeating the borrowing cycle several times, four to five times normally this will increase the yield that you're getting. But that's only lending and borrowing. That's basic lending and borrowing. If you want to additionally provide uh, liquidity, the the uh, cool thing that uh, providing liquidity activates is that whenever you start providing liquidity, you start earning an additional share of protocol fees. So that's uh, notwithstanding Radiant tokens, that's paid in hard assets, as we said before. So say that, for example, you have deposited $1,000 worth of ETH and you haven't borrowed anything, and you start providing liquidity. Say you provide $1 of uh, liquidity, uh, which basically in Arbitrum and in uh, BSC is with uh, the current liquidity pools that we have. It's a, a pancake swap, um, a pancake liquidity pool in, in BNB, and it's a balancer liquidity pool in Arbitrum. For example, in Arbitrum, to make the example simpler, it's an 80-20 radiant ETH liquidity pool. So you provide your liquidity in the way of 80% radiant, 20% uh, ETH to that liquidity pool. Say that you provide $1 worth of, of uh, liquidity, so a very, very, very small amount, and you lock it in the protocol, you will start earning protocol fees. What does that mean? The protocol fees coming from borrowers, for example, you and me borrow money, we repay our loan, part of that money goes to the lenders, part of that money goes to the liquidity providers. How much of the of $100 of uh, debt repayment, $25 would go to lenders in the same asset that they deposited, $60 would go, so much more, nearly three times more, goes to liquidity providers. Of course, the uh, the uh, protocol fees going to liquidity providers is a mix of the different assets that people are borrowing. So that's where the hard assets come into play. So you may have li uh, liquidity, uh, you may have provided liquidity in Radiant ETH, but you are getting a wrapped Bitcoin, ETH, stable coins, and whatever future assets we support. So that's the protocol fee split. But that's not receiving any radiant emissions up to this point. Um, then the only threshold that you want to meet, and this is something which was shared by, uh, which was proposed by one of the members of our community. We are very proud of our community. They are very engaged, very active, proposing very interesting ideas, and the discussions are really cool for anyone just wanting to uh, to uh, check them out in Discord. And uh, the idea that was proposed was, okay, how do we how do we try to get rid of uh, mercenary farming TVL? So people just coming to Radiant because the yields are uh, very high and just moving away once the yields compress once again. 
well, one of the options, and that has moved through, and it's the way V2 is working, um, is basically meeting a threshold of the amount of liquidity you provide with respect to your deposits. So to make it very simple, if you have 1000 as we said before, $1,000 deposited worth of ETH, you have to meet a 5% threshold. That means that you need $50 worth of DLP tokens. So DLP is dynamic liquidity uh, providing tokens, a dynamic liquidity provision tokens. So basically providing liquidity and locking those tokens. You need more than 5% with respect to your deposits. If you have 1000 you need $50 or more worth of uh, DLP tokens. Once you go above that threshold, you not only continue earning protocol fees, as I said before, 60% of the of the share, but you start earning a boost in radiant emissions. You basically become eligible to earn radiant emissions. And that's where the interesting thing comes, or the most interesting thing comes, because of course that adds an APR, that adds yield on top of your base yield. And it, it depending on the asset, depending on the chain, depending on the market moment, it's really a very strong boost that you can get in terms of uh, our native token emissions being sent to uh, lenders and borrowers. So whenever you provide liquidity, if you are a lender, you will get a boost in liquidity in terms of uh, radiant emissions. And if you are borrowing, and that was the cool feature I was referring to before, whenever you are borrowing, you get paid to be borrowed. So to be a borrower. So if, for example, say the uh, the um, borrowing interest for a particular asset is 6% and the boosted emissions mean an APR of 20%, you are getting 20 minus 6, a net APR of 14%, of course, paid in radiant tokens, 14% uh, net interest, positive interest for borrowing. So you get paid for borrowing within radiant, of course, in, in, in our native token in that case. So that's basically in a nutshell what you, uh, what you get as rewards in, in radiant. You either get your base APY as a uh, lender or you have to pay as a borrower or you start getting protocol fees as soon as you uh, you uh, provide liquidity to the protocol. And if that liquidity is above 5% of the US dollar value of uh, your deposits, you boost emissions, you boost your yield because you start earning radiant emissions. So hopefully that's clear. Uh, basically, it's either hard assets or boost in radiant emissions. If you go about that 5%, that's that's how it works in, in V2 based on the learnings that we uh, that we got from uh, from V1. This is a huge difference from what kicked off yield farming with uh, comp mining in 2020. If you go back to 2020, what happened was y you had lenders and borrowers incentivized, just like you do here, except there was no requirement other than being a lender or borrower. So lenders and borrowers were earning these base rates, lenders were, sorry, lenders would have earned a base rate from lending, borrowers were paying an interest rate to lenders, but they were both earning the comp token. There is no free lunch here with Radiant. You only get the Radiant token unless you commit. You have to commit to providing liquidity. And, and so when you enter into, uh, we're going to talk about looping here in a moment, but if you were to enter into a borrowed position, basically you'll see these, he's like really nice looking numbers uh, on the markets uh, tab in radiant.capital. It shows you that you can be earning, I'm telling you like live numbers here as I look at this. If I look at the markets, if I was lending ETH today, I earn a base rate of 1.77%. That's just ETH like it from, you know, borrowers. But I can also earn 11.9% APR in the Radiant uh, token. 
Now, if I borrow, I, I, I'm paying 12.6%, but I'm also earning 21.01% in the Radiant token. So there's an incentive here to lend and borrow, but again, it comes with the caveat of you have to add value to this protocol by providing liquidity. And one of the biggest issues that we saw with a lot of other DeFi protocols is they gave away the, the reward for participating in the protocol was giving away their token. And then what happens is those participants, of course, sell that token to realize a profit. Well, in this case, you can't get your hands on that token unless you have more skin in the game and you provide liquidity. And so the more lenders and borrowers that are participating in this Radiant program, the deeper liquidity should become for Radiant. And one other thing we're leaving out here is that it takes 90 days for these rewards to vest, right? Yes. It's a, it's that's, a linear vesting over 90 days. So that's this, correct. This is, I'll let you explain this, Isaac, but like this, this is just another way to ensure that um, I want to say mercenary types aren't able to ultimately come in and just benefit from the protocol and and sell off the token, which which really does when you just sell the token into the ground, it it really creates. It, I I think it creates a, a flywheel of like disparity, absolutely um, in, in the community. You absolutely, know, folks look at that price, and now the reward token is decreasing in price, so the rewards or the yield is decreasing. So now the protocol becomes less appealing. The token's going down in price. It, it, it can be very brutal for a lot of different protocols. Um, what else do you need to know about how, let, let's pretend I'm a lender or borrower. I have deposited $1,000 of ETH and I want to, I want to earn that maximum uh, issuance of the Radiant token. I deposit, I zap into uh, $50 of Radiant ETH LP. So now I'm, I'm holding the minimum 5% requirement uh, of, of liquidity. Uh, what else do I need to do there? How do I lock up? How do I start vesting? What, what's the next step? Okay, well, many things that you touched upon there uh, on those questions, uh, but uh, but I'm it's your guys' I'm, fault. This protocol is is way too involved. <laughs> I'm you happy. have to read the documentation after this. I'm happy to dissect because there are very cool, uh, many cool features, but it's really really simple to understand once you start using the uh, the protocol. So as as I said, you can lend, you can borrow, and you can provide liquidity below five percent or above five percent to start earning radiant tokens. That's that's all there is really. Um, as you said, whenever you want to uh, maximize what you get out of Radiant, um, of course, there's the option of, of uh, looping, which is basically repeating the borrowing uh, cycle uh, to increase your leverage. So effectively, your deposit amount increases. Uh, so you have to meet the 5% uh, liquidity with respect to that increased deposit amount. That's something to bear in mind. So you cannot just loop for free. Uh, your provided liquidity has to meet the 5% of the total, so not 1,000 ETH. But if you uh, loop up to uh, 2,500, for example, then 5% of that total amount of loop deposits. And that's all there is to start earning emissions. The interesting thing is we have added, first, we have made tried to make the uh, user experience as simple as possible with the zapping feature that you, uh, that you mentioned, which bundles a lot of transactions into one click. So whenever I want to uh, provide liquidity, you have your Radiant, you have your ETH, and you go directly into the LP with one click. It's not like many transactions with all those gas fees involved. That's one thing. 
Then we have variable locking lengths. So whenever you provide liquidity, you want to, uh, you have to say, you have to tell the protocol if you want to be in the protocol for longer or shorter periods, meaning that we can lock the LP tokens for one month, three months, six months, or 12 months. Of course, the longer the period, the longer the period, the more, the higher the yields, the more protocol fees that you're getting. So basically, for example, when I checked it yesterday, it was something like 197% if you locked for 12 months on Arbitrum. So that that's basically the longest locking period that you can have, meaning that you are confident or you trust uh, that your liquidity will be in the protocol for 12 months because you trust and you want your liquidity to be there for 12 months. Of course, then you can auto-relock. So whenever that period uh, finishes, you can auto-relock, meaning that the, the LP tokens will uh, automatically relock again for the base, for the default period, 12 months or six months or whatever you selected. And what you mentioned regarding the radiant emissions, once you go above that 5%, so for example, coming back to your example, $1,000 worth of ETH, you need more than $50 worth of DLP tokens, so liquidity tokens, uh, to start earning that boost in radiant emissions. You start earning protocol fees from the first dollar of liquidity, but above $50, you get your radiant emissions. Once you receive your radiant tokens, there are basically three things that you can do. You can, one, wait for 90 days for that token to be fully vested. Two, you can exit early during the vesting period. We have a linear a linearly decreasing exit penalty uh, from day one to day 89 or 90 because it's not the same and we cannot penalize the same that uh, a person who uh, just exits on day one or, or a person who exits on day 89, of course. And then the last option would be to claim your Radiant tokens fully and zap them directly into LP from day one with no exit penalty. That's once again, one of the coolest features of V2, zap into DLP directly your new uh, non-vested radiant tokens, which effectively uh, turn into vested radiant tokens from day one. If you sap into DLP, if you provide them as liquidity into those liquidity pools, 80-20 on Arbitrum or 50-50 with BNB on on, um, on BSC. So basically, uh, this means that you can uh, wait for 90 days and then you can have your fully vested radiant tokens to do whatever you want, trade with them, swap them, whatever you want. Or you can, from day one, if you're trusting the long term uh, sustainability of the protocol, you can just uh, provide additional liquidity from day one with fully vested radiant tokens if you sub them into a LP token. So that's basically the three things that you can do with your radiant tokens once you uh, start earning that boost in radiant emissions. Hopefully that was clear enough for and easy to understand for anyone. If you're slightly confused, you should be. There's so much detail to this, but I'm telling you that it's very thoughtfully designed and I, I say all of this with zero bias. I don't hold the Radiant token. I've just been really impressed by the lessons that this team has clearly, you know, taken from other protocols and thought, how can we ensure that we reward those who participate in the protocol, but we aren't taken advantage of by those who, who you know, basically aim to uh, take those rewards and then, and then dump them? Absolutely. We wanted, and, and it's something we uh, we colloquially termed like DeFi 3.0. So we don't want to be DeFi 1.0 as as in 99% uh, of protocols have been uh, formed to zero because they showed uh, crazy yields in the first days or weeks of, of the life. And uh, of course, mercenary farming was attracted and they, they just formed uh, the protocol to zero because they were emitting with, with just 
it was like like marketing just because it was uh, excessively incentivized emissions of the own native token. There was no real value behind, not not a real long-term value of the protocol. And it was just for the crazy yields to attract TVL, which can be okay for a certain time. Radiant, for example, attracted a huge amount of TVL, over 500 million at some peak point. Uh, but but that was mercenary farming. We lent, we learned the lesson in V1. We introduced a proposal, RFP2, which cut the emissions by half and sent the excess of emissions to the to the trash uh, to the Dow Treasury. And we've improved the uh, the emission runway so that it's now five years because we realized that our vision required five years and not the originally thought two years. So it's something that's that's being optimized day to day with the input from core contributors, advisors, the the huge value of our community. But there are many cool things, as, as you were saying, and uh, those features that you mentioned were were some just some of the features that we've input into the UX, into the UI, to make the UX, the user experience, as seamless as possible, but but to reward primarily the uh, small subset of users or large subset of users in the coming months that are really truthful, loyal to the long-term sustainability of the protocol, because otherwise it's, it's not a sustainable business model. If you're just uh, highly incentivizing emissions, attracting TVL, and then the TVL moves to the next coolest uh, protocol in town. So that's, that's the way we wanted to build it. And hopefully the flywheel will be a very positive flywheel in the coming weeks and months. Well, the first few days in BNB are, are and BSC chain have been great. We've attracted, we have attracted, we've attracted a lot of uh, TVL already, and we are here for the long term. This is a huge vision as we as we commented at the beginning to onboard the next 100 million users into DeFi. You really cannot just be a bubble protocol. I've got just a few more questions for you uh, that actually came up as I was using the platform, and I, I've got a feeling other users are going to run into this. Um, First off, if uh, no matter what my position is, lending, borrowing, whatever, let's assume that I have a, a an a DLP dynamic liquidity position provision, whatever it is, <laughs> and it's it's staked, so I'm I'm now qualified to earn these radiant emissions. The default uh, the default lock length that you all uh, have set up is for one month. But as a user, I can go in there and change that. The default lock length, uh, this only refers to my 5% DLP. I'm using 5% as an example here. It happens to be mine. That 5% uh, position, that's all that I'm locking, right? Absolutely. That's the thing that stays within the protocol for 12 months. The rest, the lending and borrowing position, you can unwind. Or if you've been looping and you can unwind it, no problem. It's always important that, uh, and there's been a massive amount of work uh, from uh, from members in the team focused on on the UX UI side of things to make it as easy as possible, as handholding as possible for everyone. For example, you have a boost boosted emissions bar, so eligibility status bar, if you want to uh, see how far or close you are to the five percent. So that's on the top of the screen. Um, you can easily see if you're above five percent, if you're coming closer to five percent for whatever reason, volatility, for example, uh, or if you are below to five percent, how much more liquidity you uh, would need to provide if you wanted to to become eligible. Also, there's this cool feature, the health factor, which of course means how far or close you are to the maximum borrowing power you have. Of course, we are always, as in Aave and other lending protocols, this is always over collateralized loans. So uh, you cannot ask for more than you put in. Basically, uh, this is called a loan to value uh, a threshold or limit, and it's a percentage, for example, 70%. If you uh, deposit 1,000 uh, e 
$1,000 worth of ETH, you can only borrow up to $700 worth of ETH or whatever the LTV is at, at every specific moment. And this means that you have a maximum borrowing power. If you uh, try to borrow the maximum, you would only be able to borrow up to that 70%, for example. And this is shown by a very simple number, which is the health factor. If the health factor is above one, you're safe. You are above uh, your maximum borrowing power. If the health factor is getting closer to one, and we even uh, have a, uh, the colors change, so it starts uh, turning into yellow and turning into red as it closes to one, it helps you uh, check your position every time you are trying to, for example, unwind the loop. To unwind loops, you have to start repaying your debt. Uh, in every transaction, it will show you what's your new health factor to make sure that you're not being uh, in risk of liquidation or anything. So the UI is designed in a way to make you realize very visually how far you are from being eligible, how much more uh, yield you would be getting, how close you are in terms of health factor to being liquidated and how safe you are. And that's, of course, for you to do your own research and be as, uh, use your cushions, buffers, however you want to be, if you want to be more risky or less risky. But it's all designed to make it as clear as possible so that you can maximize the yield with, of course, your uh, particular investment strategy. So let's say I'm I'm a lender or borrower. I'm earning the radiant uh, rewards. I've locked up this this DLP, but then the value of my DLP falls below the five percent threshold. So I'm no longer eligible for the radiant uh, token rewards. Uh, can you explain? Like, there, there's a really clever mechanism here to keep everybody incentivized. What what happens or what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what could happen? Yeah. Well, I'm making notes of everything because there are so many things that I wanna don't want to leave out. So, uh, so uh, cool. This this is what we call the island. It's a bug bounty uh, program that we have, or a bounty program, not a bug bounty program. A bounty program that we have uh, inside the platform. It's really cool to use, and anyone can use it anytime as long as they are eligible. And the way it works is basically uh, people may have locked. Uh, the, there is two ways uh, that people may be getting ineligible rewards. One is if your LP tokens have uh, gone past the locking period and the, the auto relock was not enabled. So basically, if you uh, uh, locked for one month and it's one month and one day and uh, your LP tokens are still there, you're getting rewards unless someone else in the community, in the protocol, uh, reclaims that, that those rewards. Second case is whenever you uh, your LP position goes below 5%. Of course, you're providing liquidity to a radiant ETH uh, pool. So in this case, 80% uh, radiant, 20% ETH and on Arbitrum, on Balancer, as we said. And of course, due to the volatility price of, of ETH with respect to radiant, the US dollar value has to always be 5% or above. If the USD value of your position was too close to 5% and due to volatility, it goes below 5%, you will no longer be eligible. This will show on the eligibility status bar. So you are, it will show that you're no longer eligible. And Anyone in the protocol, of course, the protocol cannot be checking this continuously because this is not an elegant way. It will consume too much gas. And the elegant way of doing this is for anyone in the community to run a bounty scan. And there's a very simple click, a uh, one-click button that you can use on the platform. It's a back, uh, it's a bounty uh, scan button that you can uh, click on it and you will see that it starts scanning all the users and it will show any users who have received ineligible rewards. This is a first come, first serve basis. So we, the first one who sees an ineligible user, will can click and claim the rewards that they have obtained. Um, thankfully, the rewards that are being obtained is so people are very active, 
And uh, so this is very clean. Uh, I've I've not been able to find ineligible users every time, uh, any time that I've uh, done it myself. And um, judging from what the community members are saying, it's it's very very active. So people are really really trying to keep that clean and everyone eligible within the uh, within the platform and within the protocol. So that's basically the way it works. And it's uh, like in the the island game, being nominated and you go out of the island. You leave the island, it's the same. Whenever someone finds that you are ineligible, uh, the ineligible rewards will will come to your account, to your wallet, and that user, of course, will become ineligible and rewards will stop being directed to them. Is it right to say you have to uh, start vesting, you have to basically click a button to start vesting any lot, like grouping of Radiant tokens you've earned? You could have like multiple lots of Radiant tokens actually vesting, right? Or, or you could also have a lot of Radiant tokens at risk of uh, being taken away if you don't hit start vesting and then someone comes along because your DLP dropped below the 5% threshold. Like, am I understanding this all correctly? Because it, it really keeps you on your toes about, you know, managing and watching your your position. Absolutely. And and everything that we are discussing is only summarized in two tops. So it's only two tops of the app that, that summarize all of this that we are talking about, borrowing, depositing, looping, DLP, uh, auto-compounding, everything. Well, we didn't mention auto-compounding. We can mention that too. Uh, Auto-relock, the variable locking periods, vesting. Regarding your question, uh, vesting starts as soon as you start it. So as soon as you click the button, it will start vesting. If you want to vest, uh, we, we commented the three options that you had. So claim early, uh, zap into DLP or start vesting. If you want to start vesting for the 90 um, day period and then claim your fully vested radiant after those 90 days, the vesting period will start as soon as you click and it will start for the unvested, uh, for the for the received radiant tokens, which have not started vesting period. So if, for example, I have 13 radiant uh, pending vesting, I can start I, uh, my vesting period clicking on those radiant tokens, those 13 radiant tokens would start vesting. If by tomorrow I have five additional radiant tokens and I start clicking, I would have 13 tokens in 90 days and five tokens in 90 plus one days because I started one day later. So basically you, you have batches of radiant tokens uh, vesting for 90 days depending on whenever you click the button. So of course it's up to you depending on the, the gas piece transaction costs if you want to wait for longer and have a, a larger batch of of radiant tokens to start vesting, or if you want to uh, to uh, vest every day, for example, or every seven days, however you want. But basically, every batch of radiant tokens has to wait for the ninety day period. Am I missing? Is there an opportunity to just stake the radiant token, or for those that are holding the radiant token that have have it locked up or vesting? What are all the different fees that they are potentially earning um, while their token is vesting or locked up? This is different from V1, of course. Uh, in V1, you were collecting protocol fees when you were vesting, for example. This is not the case in V2. So uh, whenever you are vesting, you're not collecting any protocol fees or any additional fees for your uh, Radiant tokens. And you have to wait for that 90-day period to uh, start using your Radiant token for whatever you wanted. If you want to provide liquidity to a... Uh, many of the different liquidity pools that have Radiant on them, Trader Joe or, uh, for example, Pluto's DAO for the DLP token or others, depending on the different chains that we are, that we are launched on. 
So basically, you can wait for your Radiant token and then provide it as liquidity. You cannot single-sidedly stake your Radiant tokens. There are some options, Bybit, for example, but it's like um, it's like marketing actions from uh, uh, decentralized exchanges that want to incentivize the use of Radiant. But as a whole, the protocol does not offer single-sided staking opportunities for Radiant. You have to provide liquidity and stake your LP tokens, so Radiant plus ETH or Radiant plus BNB. And it's once again uh, trying to make sure that uh, those who stake really are providing value to the protocol. Because, for example, in V1, that's one of the lessons that we learned, people were able to lock the Radiant tokens and uh, single-sidedly receive protocol fees, uh, even exit penalties if you had uh, locked your your uh, Radiant tokens. And uh, locked Radiant tokens really were taking Radiant tokens out of the market. They were not providing any value to the protocol. So that's why we decided to get rid of single-sided staking of, of Radiant tokens. And that's why B2 uh, demands for you to provide liquidity with Radiant and ETH. In, in essence, it's AD20, so it's very close to single-sided on, on Arbitrum, for example, but it's still providing a bit of your ETH to, uh, to the liquidity pool. Uh, one thing that's really important, I know, for the health of lending and borrowing markets is uh, reliable liquidations. Um, anything to note that is different with liquidations on Radiant? Does it work basically the same way as like an Ave or Compound? And and then who who does the liquidations? Because I I noticed there's no dashboard I could find on the Radiant website for um, liquidations. But um, if you can point us in the right direction there. So uh, basically, it works much in the way it works in Aves. So we are, as we said, we are a fork of Aves. So we've changed many features, of course, but the liquidation works very much as it works in, in Aves. So anyone uh, knowing that a particular user is in risk of liquidation can uh, essentially uh, trigger the liquidation. And of course, it works like we explained in the uh, in the docs. So uh, they... Uh, it's interesting for the liquidator, it's interesting for the platform, and it's even interesting for the liquidated body because, of course, the, their whole factor increases, although they lose part of the position, of course. It's a 50% liquidation, just as a general uh, headline. It works very much as, as in Aave, and it's something that we will be rolling out into the UI uh, shortly in, in V2 in the coming days and weeks. Makes sense. I see that here. So if you go to docs.radiant.capital, just search... Uh, liquidations and you'll see there's a whole page there and this is something that's run by bots so I i'm going to assume that most uh listeners uh, are probably not running bots but if you want to learn more about it it's there uh, in the radiant capital docs one uh major piece of news uh, in the last few weeks is the the arbitrum token was released and radiant being one of the like earliest builders on Arbitrum being one of the the most popular, most used applications on Arbitrum, uh, received an airdrop of 3.34 million ARB tokens. So if we price ARB at like $1.50 to $2, you know, this is worth anywhere from like five to 6.68 million US dollars as of this recording on March 31st, 2023. Uh, what's the plan for these tokens? Has anything been discussed in the forum yet or or proposed that looks promising in Radiant? Not very formally at the moment, but of course, this is part of Arbitrum's, now Arbitrum's foundation, uh, goal of really trying to share the uh, airdrop the token to those real users of the, uh, of the, uh, of the chain, not only airdrop farmers. And uh, they were discussing the scheme of uh, the pointing scheme. If, if you've been 
eligible, well, you will see that you had to uh, meet at least three of the points or or above to be eligible to receive the minimum amount of, of tokens. And, and from there, of course, you, you could receive many more. But they didn't want to share the, uh, the tokens only with final end users. They really wanted to share a portion of the airdrop with DAOs, the most active DAOs, because they believe that those active DAOs, Radiant, one of them, and the, the biggest DAOs in, in Arbitrum, uh, also received a, a chunk of the uh, tokens. They believe that these DAOs would know the real users of the platform better, and they could further distribute, share, or do anything with those tokens, which was more efficient for, for the whole of the Arbitrum ecosystem. Uh, of course, this is something to, uh, to uh, in the case of Radiant, this is something for our DAO to decide, to, uh, the way it works in a DAO is that uh, normally people share an idea on the feedback section of this course, uh, which is an informal idea, not, not very complete in most cases. And this opens up the discussion, which is very lively, active, and engaged. And then whenever we have a clear idea as a community of what the real will of the community is that is turned by the uh, by the original author into a formal proposal following our template, and then it goes through a voting process uh, and then the DAO can vote in favor or against. So that that's how it, it is going to work for this uh, airdrop tokens that Radiant received. At, at this moment, there's no no formal proposal or no formal discussion of the final use of those tokens, but I'm sure uh, there will be an interesting discussion in the weeks to come. We've been very busy in the community, I mean, in this case, uh, discussing new assets to include, new chains to include, new changes to V2, uh, to V1 coming on to V2, the, the uh, results obtained in BSC, so basically, there were many things to discuss before uh, discussing the airdrop itself. Yeah, and if you go to radiant.capital, scroll to the very bottom of the page, there's a uh, link there to the discourse, which is where all of the conversation is happening there around governance proposals. That's at community.radiant.capital. Uh, you can also look at a history of all of the live proposals that have uh, either been passed or voted down. Uh, and that's on Snapshot, of course. So those are two great places to sort of get involved, aside from the Discord that they have there for for Radiant. Two more questions for you. Uh, we've talked mostly today about Arbitrum. Any uh, Anything to share about your experience launching on uh, Binance Smart Chain? Well, uh, first, the, the first hours on BSC were, were hectic and crazy. It was wild. So uh, I had never seen... Um, APR, so locking, looping, sorry, APRs of 2,000%, 5,000%. That was crazy. People in the community were saying, okay, don't invest your money. I will do all the investing for you for the first hours to get all the yield, of course. And it was, it was just very funny and wild to see everyone trying to jump on onto BSC uh, real quick because they, they saw that it was a, a huge opportunity of attracting, uh, jokes aside, of attracting really sticky TVL. And that's what we're after uh, on Radiant. So Great experience uh, in terms of the the amount of TVL that we've already been able to uh, to attract to the protocol on BSC. Some coming from our users on Arbitrum, surely, but some new TVL and much more to come. One of the reasons why we were launch, uh, why we decided to uh, launch on BSC was because it holds around six billion of uh, TVL. So uh, it's a huge chain in terms of TVL. The whole of crypto is something like 22 billion of fragmented liquidity. So um, BSC was 6 billion alone. And it was a great environment where a lot of TVL was was present. And it, it added up like a great um, 
combination or, or synergy if you want with Arbitrum, which is a great ecosystem in terms of the the dApps being built in terms of GMX, Dopex, or Trader Joe, all the great protocols, also the gaming protocols that are building a great ecosystem in Arbitrum. And we felt that BSC was a great source of potential interesting and sticky liquidity uh, that was loyal to the long-term sustainability and vision that we have at Radiant, uh, the narrative of real yields, DeFi 3.0, all the business model, the sustainable business model that we were building with V2. Plus, the transaction fees were, of course, slightly higher than in Arbitrum, but still competitive in terms of a small investor, which is also very important to us. We're addressing all kinds of investors, whales, medium investors, small investors, and small investors can can simply not look in mainnet because uh, it's too expensive. So it's $50, $100, or even more expensive whenever you have to do four or five of this uh, borrowing and lending transactions. So Arbitrum was really competitive for that. BSC is proving to be very competitive uh, too. So still slightly more expensive than Arbitrum, but still very competitive. So we're very happy to be launching on, on BSC. And then the plan is to be launched on five major EVM chains in the coming months. The following uh, chains will be down to the DAO to decide, and it, there's always uh, there's already a cool discussion if if the next one should be a Polygon, a Phantom, or whatever. Let's leave with just what's next for Radiant. Is there any other like major updates that we should be looking for? Uh, any proposals uh, that you've seen in the forum there that we should keep our eye on? Okay, well, most of the proposals now are for new assets to be added to the uh, platform or uh, new chains that Radiant should launch on. So basically, regarding the chains, as I said, we will be launching on five major EVM chains uh, down to the DAO to decide which particular chains uh, those will be. Regarding the assets, our aim is to uh, list more than 20, 20 plus uh, assets, which will be used as collateral types in the coming weeks and months. Uh, some are already uh, being discussed by the uh, community. Of course, the voting period was left on standby during the transition from V1 to V2. It will be um, started again uh, shortly in the coming weeks, and those proposals will be uh, voted. There will be a risk committee assessing the risk parameters for any new collateral types, and then the DAO will finally vote uh, in favor or against those new collateral types. Think Magic, GLP, and so on will be uh, collateral types, which the DAO may uh, be in favor of of supporting in Radiant. In any case, then that's an interesting feature. We we tried to build this sustainable business model, DeFi 3.0, for the next five years. We didn't want to do anything crazy or wild. So those new collateral types will not start receiving Radiant emissions directly because otherwise the share of Radiant emissions going to the previous collateral types would be reduced, of course, if you have to uh, send the same number of emissions, the same amount, to more collateral types. So the, the first weeks or the first period of time during uh, or just after the launch of a new collateral type will be used to evaluate the real interest of our community for that collateral. If the collateral is being used, is being deposited, is being borrowed, the utilization rate is interesting. If we see that there's traction for that collateral, then the DAO can decide to start uh, sharing a part of the a portion of the emissions with that new collateral type. Otherwise, it will remain as a collateral type that you can use to deposit or borrow, but no radiant emissions will be built on top of the base APY that you will be getting as a deposit. Those are the two major chains, changes that we are seeing in, on Radiant. Then there's discussion, interesting discussions in our community regarding, for example, credit scoring and optimizing the uh, not necessarily going to under-collateralized lo- uh, loans that will be further down the road, but at least optimizing the LTV for a small subset of users. So users who've been repaying the loans uh, well and prudently in the past may 
receive optimized LTV. So for example, changing from a 70 to a 72 or 73% LTV. So you will be able to increase your borrowing power and so get better yields. That's something which has been discussed. And uh, then further collaborations with other protocols. But of course, the main uh, discussion is currently uh, regarding future collateral types uh, supported and uh, future chains that Radiant should launch in. Yeah, I'd love to see higher LTVs, lesser liquidation penalties for those who have a proven track record. That would make uh, quite a bit of sense. Isaac, thank you for letting me drag you through the mud of all the the different fees and features and incentive designs there in, in Radiant. I, I know uh, it's got to still be somewhat challenging, even for you working full-time on the protocol to keep it all straight. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Well, I'd like to encourage everyone uh, listening to the show. Of course, uh, we had a limited time. I would go on for hours explaining all the features and use cases and everything like being a hands-on tutorial. But uh, of course, I would encourage everyone to just try it out. Just just play with the platform, use it, uh, use all the different features. As I say, there's been a massive amount of work to make it as seamless as possible, as, as hand-holding as possible. There are migration videos. You will see my face in small uh, explaining the migration videos and so on. So we've tried to make it as easy as as possible. Our long-term vision is to embark the next 100 million users into DeFi. We tried to make a powerful, simple, seamless uh, UI and UX with V2, more so with V3. And I really encourage everyone to use app.radiant.capital and then follow us on our socials, Discord and Telegram. Discord is very active and uh, we are holding town hall office hour sessions every uh, two weeks. So uh, we are recording on the 31st. So next week, next Tuesday, we have our, our next office hour session for anyone uh, wishing to pop around, come around and just ask any question or propose any new idea for the protocol. So very welcome. And of course, to share any proposal on our discourse, uh, join in the feedback and the discussion sections. It's really, really enriching to see all the ideas coming in and all the ideas and comments pouring in from our community. That's probably the best active asset that we have at Radiant, our community. So thanks for the uh, for the time to uh, explain Radiant. That's something I'm passionate about and as I'm saying. I could go on for hours. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, definitely want to encourage folks to learn more at radiant.capital. You can also check out the app itself at app.radiant.capital. Uh, and then just a reminder, of course, none of this is a recommendation or endorsement uh, to first use leverage. Uh, uh, using leverage is, is something that, uh, you know, should be learned uh, by reading the documentation there and, and taking your time to really understand all of the risks. Uh, if you do use leverage. Uh, and then uh, second, uh, this isn't a recommendation or endorsement to uh, buy or sell the Radiant token, but you can learn more about the tokenomics and everything we discussed here today. Again, if you go to radiant.capital. And then um, uh, folks, if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe at defidad.com. You can find all the episodes to, to the uh, DeFi podcast uh, with you know brilliant folks here like Isaac, who take time out of their day to talk us through all the nuances of their their DeFi protocols. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're a talented builder like Radiant Capital, please consider reaching out to our team at fourthrevolution.capital.